all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we are talking about getting back to school. School anxieties, the added anxieties of getting back with a pandemic still in effect. You know, a year ago, I did this show about this time about back-to-school anxieties in a pandemic. I thought surely we would be out of it, but we are not. And it's hard to believe that it's time to get back to the school routine again. But what will that routine be? So we have back-to-school anxieties. They're not unusual. And I want to talk about the typical back-to-school anxieties. But now COVID-19 adds another whole layer on top of that. Mask, social distancing, some people are supporting it. Some people are fighting heartily against it. What about participating in sports or other extracurricular activities? What about attending games or other functions? There's so much more to cause anxiety, not just for kids, but for adults, for those teenagers um, that are trying to graduate from high school, for those college students who are now going into college and leaving home with the usual separation anxieties that parents have with their kids, added on top of that the fears that parents have for their children. So, Today, I'm so happy to have Dr. Dustin Sarver, psychologist and associate professor at the Center for the Advancement of Youth at the University of Mississippi Medical Center with us, who's going to help us navigate entry into the fall with no real end in sight for the ongoing issues that we're dealing with. And um, we're all trying to desperately get some normalcy into our lives. So Dr. Sarver is going to help us talk through this. So welcome, Dr. Sarver. Thank you so much for being with us again today. Good morning, Dr. Butchers. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to talk with you about this subject and hopefully talk with some um, of uh, your callers. Right. I always tell our listeners they make the show. We have to have them call in so we can, you know, so many times our listeners bring up questions that we haven't even thought about or they bring up stories that lend so much more to the show. So 
um, listeners you hear. I'm going to throw a few questions out for you as we are getting started, and then please call in, even if you have a, a different question. So are you more concerned now with the Delta virus of COVID-19, the Delta variant? What are you doing to protect yourself? What do you think we all need to do? What do you think about school? some schools not having mask mandates? Do you think they should? Are you concerned that your child is going to be in more danger as they enter school? Um, what are you thinking right now? So um, give us a call. Jump in as early as you wish at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So, um, Dr. Sarver, before we get started um, any further, I just wanted to bring one thing out. Um, as kids and teens return to um, the sports activities and everything, I think. Um, some parents, especially for younger children, have questioned whether or not there's harm to the social-emotional development with mask wearing. Now, of course, one comment that I have often made is there seems to be more harm to have to socially isolate children from their peers, to continually shut down classes when there is a COVID-19 case in a classroom. So it seems to me that um, it might be better to wear a mask so that we can keep the schools open and keep kids in schools. Um, so, so, Dr. Sarver, I understand that there is some new research um, looking at mask issues and social-emotional development. So will you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, this is such an important question and issue, and it gets brought up um, so many times, and like you, I've heard it, the question from educators and teachers and parents and friends. Um, you know, on balance, I think that the kind of the core issue is that having an opportunity to in, interact with folks, um, especially having given the distancing and the disruption of this last year, having kids have that opportunity to be around their, their peers even in school, um, far outweighs any potential um, concerns re uh, regarding whether or not they wear a mask. Um, so I feel like I want to just unequivocally say that to our listeners, is that it, there's so much more benefit in the learning um, that's in, in place there versus having to do it virtually or um, uh, you know, being able to interact with friends and, and having conversations and, and all the positive things that go along with um, that socialization, that's so critical and so important, especially for all kids of all ages. Um, you know, regarding some like kind of the re recent um, research on some of the, back, the mask questions and so emotional development, you know, there's been some really interesting stuff. Uh, first off, it's important to say that a lot of this we have this research is just now coming out because we're just now right. learning um, and, and getting the results in from, from these um, types of studies. But there was uh, what I have been able to locate, which I think is important to tell readers about, is at least one study that is, frankly, out of, it's out of Italy, um, out of their first two-week lockdown period, where they looked at kids, um, toddlers, so age three to five, 
children, um, you know, older, middle, older children, and then adults, looking at their ability to label emotions accurately when they're looking at a just a static picture of a person wearing a mask versus when they weren't wearing a mask. And so I think this kind of gives us a sense of like how much is how much do masks really impact um, our ability to identify emotions, which we know is really critical in those young young years. Um, what the results really found, which I found pretty um, shocking is that, yes, masks definitely make it difficult to read emotions and label them accurately, even with adults. I, I find myself having a hard time to kind of looking at those, uh, you know, the crow's feet from the, around the right. eyes and go, right. yeah, or is that, um, you know, how do I, what do they do? But, you know, one of the things that's imp important that they found is that um, by the the impact that I had on kids and adults was pretty, was there, but pretty minimal. We're talking about five to 10% less accuracy, which not not a whole lot of difference. It really makes more of a difference with toddlers, like three to five years of age, where they had a little bit more difficulty, about 25% um, kind of a cost to wearing to having a figuring out what emotion was correct when right. folks were wearing a mask. So, you know, it's there, and there's a lot more early development that goes on in the things. But as far as the kids, elementary and up, you know, I feel very confident saying that. You know, it can impact us, uh, telling us in the moment what emotion is, but that's a far cry from saying this is going to affect their emotional development over time. Right, right. All right. Well, we have a caller. We have Charlotte on the road. Um, Charlotte, are you still there? Thank you for calling. Yes. Hi. Tell us what your thoughts are about this back-to-school issue that we're dealing with. Um, I have four grandchildren returning to school, uh, and um, I have wondered, like, there are some church schools and some uh, regular private parochial schools that have invested in the infiltration system for cleaning the air, right. and I wondered, uh, has there been any talk of our government <clears throat> investing in those? And also, I have a concern about when the children have to unmask to eat and drink and not handling their mask properly or accidentally getting each other's mask back on. Just how are those issues addressed? Wow. Charlotte, you brought up some great questions. Um, let me talk about the first one, um, the filtration system. Depending on the filtration system, there are some very excellent filter systems that I think many schools have really invested in across the country who can afford it um, because it does seem to make a bit of a difference um, and maybe a significant difference um, in how long the virus hangs around in the air. So a good filter system is certainly helpful. Um, we know with the Delta variant, I think most of you probably have read that it is 10 times more contagious, significantly more contagious. And, um, and apparently, very quickly, people are developing symptoms. They also get sicker faster, it seems. So um, I think that is one issue that would be really good, Charlotte, um, having filter systems good, but still probably not enough um, unless there is significant social distancing also in classrooms, and we know that often doesn't happen. You bring up some good issues about um, mask wearing 
and and children um, picking up the wrong mask, perhaps, um, you know, handling it improperly. I think it's going to be difficult, frankly, um, to really exercise great hygiene like we would like. But it's worth a try because we know that until we can get our children vaccinated, um, that is the best line of protection. Good hand washing because we don't want to put our hands in our mouths without um, washing our hands. But that mask coverage, um, because the viral particles are aeros aerosolized, I couldn't get that word out, sorry, they hang around in the air for a long time. So um, if you don't have a filter, they're going to hang around for, for um, it can be up to um, several minutes to hours, actually. And so um, having a filter helps. Teaching kids, it's going to be up to parents a lot and teachers also to teach kids how to handle their mask, how to put them on, how to wear them over their nose, over their mouth, and also to have that hand sanitizer out and making sure that children, before they handle their masks, sanitize their hands when they put it, before they put it on, before they take it off. So you brought up some great points. I think that's our responsibility as parents, grandparents, people who care about the kids who are out there to work to protect them because they're getting sick too now. And again, we, I know people, I keep hearing people worry about the long-term effects of vaccines, they need to be more worried about the long-term effects of COVID-19 because there seems to be a post-COVID syndrome for some people, not all, who, who have significant problems long-term after. And we now have a look at that for about a year. So that was a long answer, Charlotte, but you had a great question. I really appreciate you calling in early. I know we dropped another call and um, so please give us a call back if you're still able to in Corinth. We want to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Uh, we want to hear your stories. We want to hear your questions about how you're handling this back-to-school anxiety of management. Um, this is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Dustin Sarver, and we will be right back. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. 
you already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. Healthcare providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Dustin Sarver and we're talking about back to school anxieties but now with the Delta variant of COVID-19 they're on top of the typical anxieties that we have to deal with. Well we're going to jump right back to the phones. Um, I have a couple of questions myself for Dr. Sarver but first I want to hear from Greg in Biloxi. Hi Greg thanks for calling. Well thank you for having uh Having this show is very informative. I always enjoy listening to it. Thank you. My uh, comment is, it's a, I guess it's a question and a comment. Sure. And I don't, I don't, I don't mind if you scold me. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know me, but, I might. <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, but I do question so much of this. Um, I feel quite certain that I got COVID. January of 20. I had all of the symptoms and I'm a healthy middle-aged male. I uh, lost my sense of taste and smell and had the weight on my chest feeling and was sick, but was only sick for about a, I missed a day and a half of work. Uh, So, but I did feel really bad from that time frame. Mm -hmm. And then I got better pretty quickly. Um, Have an extended, you know, a pretty large family and, um, we, uh, no one else in my family had been uh, vaccinated uh, prior to what I'm about to tell you about. Uh, so last year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, so November and December of 20, we had family congregate in, in my home uh, from California, Dallas, Texas, North Carolina, Jackson, and the coast. Mm-hmm. No one had been vaccinated. I have a 86-year-old father and an 81-year-old mother. Father has uh, dementia. Everybody else is healthy, no underlying condition. And we did nothing related to masks or hand, you know, sanitizing or anything. Everybody was just like we always have been. Right. Never, no one got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were from as, as cross-section, <laughs> as much of a cross-section of the right. country as you could get. Right. Um, then... My wife, mother, and father got vaccinated in the spring of this year. Four days approximately after the second vaccination, my father uh, had a problem with his heart uh, where his blood pressure dropped to a little under 40 beats per minute. Uh, I mean, his his heart rhythm stopped, Mm -hmm. went that Mm -hmm. low. His blood pressure, by the time the ambulance got there, was 44 over 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I've never tried to say, well, that was the response to the vaccination. I don't know if four days is reasonable or not, but I'm just, it, it's such an odd scenario. I have a, a lot of family. It's 
spend a lot of time in the East Texas area. And in that particular county and the ones surrounding it, they went on just like normal. Did have some family members there that got it? So I just wonder, uh, I've heard people say, I guess this starts leading into my question, um, that there are certain blood types that are less susceptible to catching the virus than others. I don't know if that's true or accurate. So I don't yeah. know what our blood types are, but it's yeah. just that so many of us from so many different areas, you know, exposed each other to ourselves more than once and, yeah. and had no no issue. Yeah. Okay. Until someone got vaccinated. Well, <laughs> so uh, how do you deal with that? <laughs> and okay, first of all, if if you will think about this, Greg, um, people have health issues, right? And especially right. older individuals have cardiac arrhythmias, atrial fib and flutter or VTAC or right. all things that happen as you get older. And so we we have to be careful to relate everything. I, I hear these stories occasionally, but there has been data on millions and millions of individuals who have received the vaccine and millions of individuals who have also um, gotten uh, COVID-19. And the, the data on the people who have had terrible, terrible outcomes and death from having COVID-19 is very clear. It, the risks are far, far greater. Now, why did some of your family not get vaccine, uh, not get COVID-19? Why did any of your family not get it? I can't answer that. But you will have stories like that that come about, which convinces people that that they're protected. However, there are um, there are so so many stories out there where you had a healthy individual with no risk factors. I lost a couple of friends like that. No risk factors. And um, they got COVID and died, and nobody could explain it. Why in the world did that happen? So we don't know. You know, like we said, um, when this first started over, you know, two years ago now, we found that um, we, we don't know why some people get it and some don't. There's a lot of research going on now. I think in five years... We'll have lots and lots of answers, but right now, um, y'all are lucky, lucky, and I hope you continue to be lucky, but I would implore you to, with this Delta variant, to be more careful, um, simply because it it is much more contagious, and if a person gets sick with it, it seems like they get sick so quickly, and if they end up on the ventilator, they often don't come off. Um, worse than previously. Follow-up question and comment as well. Sure. And I appreciate what you say, and I'm taking it that seriously. And this probably gets down to some of our paranoia about it. Um, And I've been told what might be the answer to this. I don't know if it's accurate or not. Um, The the oldest patriarch in our family passed away this last year at 92. Mm -hmm. He um, was given the polio vaccine as a child in elementary school that long ago, right? Right. And he and his close classmate, about a week after that vaccine, both got polio. Mm -hmm. And I was told by someone that's just, you know, coffee pot kind of talk that there were mild cases of polio that people got after being vaccinated back then. And I guess his was mild. He went the rest of his life with 
one leg two or three inches shorter mm-hmm. than the other, mm-hmm. um, but lived a healthy life after that. And, you know, well, being vaccinated talk- with something like this that's not, not truly approved by the FDA, and I know that it's been run through the mill, and I like the fact that it got out quick and everybody's having access to it, but having yeah. not gotten right. yeah. too much too many problems from it it makes me think well maybe maybe i'll just stay the course you know well okay i hear you um but let me comment to that and then we have danny next online who i want to make sure we get to before the next break um okay so yes i was um very young when polio was running rampant across the country and and every parent lined up all their children because they were terrified. There were children who were ending up on the quote-unquote iron lung back then. There were children who were um, dying from respiratory paralysis, and some children, my husband has a cousin who was paralyzed on her right side and has a right leg. She's a beautiful woman with a right leg significantly smaller than her left, and she walks with a limp. So... Um, that vaccine was very different than these vaccines, first of all. Um, To have gotten polio four days after a vaccine may have been that he was already exposed to it and his body didn't have time to have the antibody surge that we get. Um, It takes a little while to mount the immunity after a vaccine, about 10 days, maybe two weeks, to get the full surge. So whenever I hear somebody got like the flu vaccine and got flu the next day, that's not what happened. What happened is they were already exposed. They had, they didn't have time for their body to have the antibody surge. And so um, they got the disease. So that, that could be uh, what happened. But as I have said, Greg, to many of my friends and and a couple of family members who keep questioning things, I continue to say we would still have polio around if our parents acted the way um, we are acting. I'm sorry. That's just where I stand. So <laughs> anyway, all right, let's go um, on to Danny in Pascagoula. Hi, Danny. Thanks for waiting. Hey. Hey, how you doing, darling? I am doing Mission great. You've been on the job today. Education, <laughs> COVID. Oh, man, you've been laying it to them. God has a testimony for you and has a plan for you. But uh, I wanted to I understand where the man coming from, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I believe, and I know I did, because under the radar, I caught the COVID back believe it or not, around Thanksgiving of 19. Now, they already say, it, you know, it came around, you know, January, whatever. But I, I think COVID, that's, I, I, that's why the COVID, the word 19 comes to play. But I, I, I know that's the key. But I, I understand what he means about the antibodies and his, and his family. They're, uh, they're doing great, no problem. The key is we still got to wear the mask. See, I'm, it's so sad that politics have became a big issue in this situation. This should be a mom, daddy, and family situation right now. And whatever it takes as the United States of America, 
Mississippi, you know, we've seen all the past. We've seen all the problems. We need to wear the mask to protect our neighbors. If you are a Christian, love thy neighbor as you love thyself, not love thy politician. It is about time that as a people, this, this, this COVID is trying to humble us enough to listen wow. to, the, to, the, to the points that are being taken. We're, our children are looking at us like the adults seem to be confused. They're fighting against each other over stupid things, guns, of, of Republican Democrats. I thought we were supposed to be all one. What happened? Do we have to have a storm like Katrina come again to make Mississippi one? It don't matter when Katrina hit, whether you were African-American, Irish, Italian, or Puerto Rican. It it didn't matter. So when this comes to this COVID and you know you're doing fine, I'm doing fine. I'm getting ready to go get the vaccination because of my family. But I'm going to make sure I'm D up, C up before I'm taking it. But you must understand, this is not about who's right or wrong. This is about putting the darn mask on, enjoying your life until we don't have to wear the mask anymore. Whether you're African-American, European, Italian, Puerto Rican, Republican, liberal, (laughs) or Democrat. Yeah, Danny, um, you know, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I really am. I think you're absolutely right, and those who are uh, can get vaccinated should. Um, but there, there is a lot of controversy, and you know what? I think. Um, well, we're going to go ahead and take our next break. But when we come back, um, we have another caller waiting. Hang in there; we'll be right with you. And I also want Dr. Sarver to talk a little bit about modeling and exactly what Danny just said—the way we adults act sometimes maybe dictate the way our children will. So this is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about this very difficult time, returning to school, what to do, the school anxieties, how to handle it. Give us a call. Join in. That's one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 We will be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Parents are a child's first teacher. Children make connections to the growing world around them through back and forth interactions. Parents and other caregivers can help children learn communication and social emotional skills by talking, reading, and singing each day. More information at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Dustin Sarver talking about back to school anxieties. And we're going to, we have a full board. I'm going to jump back to the phones. We have Terry from Corinth. And um, Terry, I know you, we dropped you earlier. Thanks for calling back. Tell us what your thoughts are. 
I'm so flustered. I just had to vent to someone. Okay, go you, for it. And you're good. You're a good listener. <laughs> Thank you. So, I don't. I don't. I don't understand our mindset right now. I mean, when I was a kid, I had the polio vaccine. I had the smallpox vaccine, and it was really. It was at school. There was not really a big deal about it. And I don't. You know. The mask is great. The social distancing is great. But the only thing that's going to get us out of this hole is vaccine. And I just can't understand why people don't realize that. It just it just blows me away, and I'm so frustrated. I hear you. And I think many physicians who have been in the trenches and nurses are, are um, saying the same thing. And... Um, you know, I was asked, Terry, by someone uh, about docs uh, who who have not been speaking for the vaccine, and what is that about? And I'm confused, actually. I can't understand it. I can't. You know, I've had it. I've, I got the vaccine back in April, and, and I've had no side effects, no, you know, nothing strange. Um, I just don't understand where this is coming from. In the in the great majority, because if you look at Mississippi, it is a majority that have not gotten the vaccination, and I I just don't understand how I got from from the polio and smallpox vaccine to this point where you have people that the majority of people say I'm not going to get the vaccine, and what do we do to to encourage people without browbeating them into getting the vaccine. I guess that's my, my yeah. biggest issue because I feel impotent as far as being able to, my family has all been vaccinated, um, but how do you make other people see it without them feeling threatened? Yeah. Dr. Sarver, you know, um, as a psychologist, do you have some advice for Terry? How would you approach someone when someone clearly is disagreeing with the way you think they should be? Oh, boy. I don't know if we have a call uh, long enough for this, but um, <laughs> I will say, you know, in general, it, it does nothing good to fight fire with fire. But I will say that, you know, people in general can be kind of taking, they take information and they potentially might change or accommodate their beliefs or um, rationale for changing their behavior, like kind of in one group really changes it based on facts and data and, and like information and they're very kind of logical about things and the other group tends to be very more, ira uh, not irrational, but like um, emotional and you know how, what the experiences that they, they've felt and so to the extent you're able to kind of match your, the, the way you explain things or kind of invoke either their emotion or experience or their logic based on where they kind of come from, that can be helpful in terms of convincing that. Um, but I, I will say one thing that maybe that um, this caller brings up that even I would say um, intersects with Greg from earlier and the hesitancy he was expressing about having had COVID but maybe on the sense of getting the vaccine, vaccination here is that, you know, there's a lot of, I can't imagine what a more wonderful example of um, kind of, uh, 
the word I want to, I, I maybe use the word a little bit more strongly, but like a hero that could be for the public. If we had folks like Greg, who, while admitting his hesitancy, kind of set that example of saying, you know what, I'm hesitant, I don't know, and for whatever reasons, but I'm still going to get vaccinated because I know that that's going to be what's in the good, and as the caller just said, that's what's going to really get us out of this mess. And so, um, you know, we have lots of heroes in this COVID story, from frontline workers to teachers to um, other health professionals, um, but, you know, I, I really think that this new wave of hero are going to be folks who might be like Greg and say, you know, I just don't know, but I, I think that I, this is just going to be the best thing, and it's my contribution to um, society, and I'm going to tell my story about that because I'm going to set an example and model to others what, um, you know, being, right. a, 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 you know, an awesome citizen and um, uh, is. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is so true. And there are many heroes out there as we move along. All right, well, let's keep moving through the phone calls. We have Carolyn um, from Memphis. Oh, before, I think Michelle has a quick comment question for the yes. listeners. Yes, to yeah? piggyback off of basically all of our callers today have um questioned the vaccine but my question as a parent with a child going back to school is parents are you going to get your children vaccinated um is it important to you if you're vaccinated why wouldn't you get your child vaccinated the entire family that's my opinion should be vaccinated and with the children going back to school in close quarters being in the classroom in the cafeteria like one of our um, callers talked about if they have to take off their mask to eat, they need to be vaccinated. Right. So that's a good question to throw out there for parents. School is about to start or have start has started for some districts in the state of Mississippi. Are yeah. you going to get your children vaccinated? vaccinated? Very important. Yeah. All right, Carolyn, you're up. Tell us what your thoughts are. Hello. Hey, we got gotcha. you. Okay, so I should go ahead and and make my statement? Yes, please. Okay, well, my name is Carolyn. I'm calling from Memphis, and my comments are more an observation than anything else. Uh It has to do with the call uh, from the gentleman that was speaking earlier about his family and their antibodies and their immunity. He mentioned that his grandfather had passed away at 92, but that he had gotten the polio vaccine. Now, I didn't stop to look it up. But as as I recall, there was no polio vaccine his, his, when his grandfather was born, which would have had to be around 1922 if he was 92 years old when he passed away. He said he got the vaccine at six or something like that. So I just wanted to make that comment to say I think that often, you know, you get tales and stories that are passed down and that are not true, and then they eventually become true. Oh, Carolyn, so, that that was very astute of you, and I should have noticed that. But you are absolutely right. the The polio vaccine came out. Um, even the very first polio vaccines came out in the late fifties, um, early sixties. And so um, you are absolutely right. So if grandfather, yeah got polio um it it was not um even centered around when he got the vaccine that's very interesting so that that was that that was it just wanted to make that observation good observation thanks for listening closely not just listening (laughs) all right 
John from Bentonia, you have been patiently waiting. Hi, John. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, you know, uh, kind of uh, as an overall of, of, of all the reluctance that I'm hearing about getting vaccinated and wearing masks, I'm wondering if you could address, um, and, and I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, but, you know, to me, I'm hearing, in, you know, between the lines, the placebo effect in in a negative sense uh not not a good placebo effect but you know mm-hmm. uh i don't want to get a vaccinated because it's gonna you know make me sterile or whatever and you know whatever excuse you pick out of the air um i'm wondering if it's uh you know the people in their minds you know wanting to believe there's a negative effect in effect <laughs> And it's sorry for the alliteration there, but uh, no, I, um, uh, you're making a good point, um, John. I, I've often wondered why um, some of the same people who are so vehemently against the vaccine because FDA gave the emergency approval, so they say it's still yeah. experimental, which it is not, but. But they are still willing to have some of the very experimental um, drugs that have been used. So it it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. It's um, it it is it is so um, confusing to me, for want of a better word, that that someone would not want to protect the vaccine yet would be would be very ready to take a drug that we know could have side effects um, and has not proven to, to help. So I don't know. Now, placebo effect, you know, if, if somebody, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure we're using it in the right sense, but, um, you know. I, yeah, I, it's generally positive. Right. You know, a, a drug works because, you know, you think it will. But because why can't that be? Yeah. yeah, why can't it be the opposite? Well, it it probably probably could. Yeah. You're a negative effect. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really yeah. good question, John. But I uh, I agree with you. Um it is and I think most of us have been very confused about exactly what's going on here and and why it really has turned into less science and more opinion than it should be at this point. All right, we're going to stay on the phones. I want to get to all of our callers. We have Sue, who has also been patiently waiting in Beaumont. Hi, Sue. Thanks for waiting. How are you, Dee? Doing great. Thanks. I want to ask you a question or make a comment. We're, this is germ warfare that we're fighting here, and uh, these virus, this virus keeps mutating. But the, the comment I wanted to make was that I've heard that this is a microvirus and that Paper mask and cloth mask don't deter it. It can go right through there. So uh, is there any mask that people can wear that would stop the virus from so he couldn't inhale it? So um, good question, Sue. And there early on into COVID, there were a lot of studies looking at masks and were they really helpful and what was found was that the single layer paper mask were not very helpful. The double layer paper masks were good and it filtered out much of the virus. That's why they still talked early on and still do about wearing masks and social distancing because that gives you an 
extra layer of protection. That's the other reason one of our earlier callers mentioned filtration systems and 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 everything for schools, which is a, another great idea. So triple layer of in, uh, protection. The N95 mask is the best um, that you know most lay people wear, but they're expensive and. Um, often, if you do the double layer mask, keep wear a clean one. Don't rewear the double layer paper mask for a long time. You have to remember to rotate those out or make your own double layer cloth mask that you wash regularly. So that's really good question, and I'm glad to hear people still asking the best thing to do, because that's you know that's what we need to be doing instead of arguing against science. Why don't you just do something that we've already proven is helpful? All right, um, let's go. Staying on the phones, we have is that Eddie? Hi, Eddie. I can't read where you're from. Tell me. South Haven. South Haven. Almost up to Memphis. Hi. Thanks for calling. Well, tell us what your thoughts are. Listen, we supposed to be, uh, with that phrase, e pluribus unum, yeah. out of many one, it's not working right now. <laughs> Somebody has put out the word that this this vaccine has got all kinds of side effects and it's going to hurt you. Really? I mean, really? The Chinese have given a billion doses and one, uh, zero, zero, zero point one people have been uh, Ill, uh, Ill affected by it. Uh, okay. I'm a former biology teacher, study of life. Come on. I mean, follow the science, people. Don't follow these knuckleheads <laughs> on social media. And, and, and to be honest with you, uh, if, if, don't let Don, Donald Trump is fully vaccinated. The doctor saved his life. Uh, Roger Ailes, uh, the, the, the head of uh, Fox News, 92 years old, they wheel him in the middle of the night to the hospital. He got vaccinated. Come on, Jeff Bezos is vaccinated, a multi-billionaire. But what did that tell you? <laughs> well, good, many, many good points. I think just if we could, just please try to listen to the science. Take care of yourselves, take care of your family, and take care of your children. Well, you know, we've got a couple of minutes, Dr. Sarver, and in these last, we've had some great, great calls, and um, and I have to tell you um, that it is so, so nice to hear so many people who who have really been thinking through this and, and working through how how to try to get everybody together to to do the right thing. So... Back to school anxieties. Can we just wrap up, Dr. Sarver, with maybe some ways as our kids are getting back into school? Give them a couple of minutes of ideas of how to how to ease into this, um, trying to keep our kids safe. What are your recommendations? Yes, I would love to talk about that. So you know, um, first off, I think it's going to be so important with this transition back into school, especially if um, that. It's going to be a new. It's going to go back to a new format. There's going to be with the younger kids. They're going to be experiencing some in some ways the in-person school for the very first time. And we've I think more than anything we've got to give our parents, our kids, and our teachers grace in this transition. And to just kind of know that there might is be expecting some bo those uh, bumps. And so um, and, and not to get angry at the teachers or schools for about some of these things that might happen because it is going to be a bit anxious for everybody involved. 
involved. And so kind of knowing that going ahead can really kind of ward off some of that fretting. Um, I do think it's going to be important that we talk with our, our, stu talk with our students, talk with our, our kids about uh, what expectations do we have? What are we going to, what should, about whether that's mask wearing and social distancing and a hygiene element, to also what's going to be expected as they go back into school and learning. And if they're encountering any difficulties, given that a lot school has been so difficult this last year, that they need to know that it's going to be okay um, for them to ask questions and let them know that, you know, if they don't know what's going on, just to ask the adult to share that and, and know that this is going to be a transition for them as well. And so it's helping them, our kids adjust as we get back in, let it, having them be able to talk to the teacher, go up and see the school again, talk, uh, make sure you're debriefing with your kids every day, um, talking so they, get, they know what they're doing, allowing them to kind of know um, what they can do socially and what they can't so that there's um, expectations within families that are all sorted out. All that's going to be super helpful as we get back into um, the kind of the, the new normal um, right. Uh, potentially. Right. Yeah, the it, it is a new normal, and I, I love your idea. I want to repeat the sort of debriefing period. I think to learn every day to just say, how was your day? Tell me your favorite thing. Tell me maybe something that happened that, that you didn't like. Um, is there something we can do that, um, you know, to allow your child to have time for just to have all of you, your attention, look at them, let them know that your phone's down, that electronic stuff is away, and that you're going to hear what they have to say and what they need. So, Dr. Sarver, thank you so much, as always, for joining in. I thought we had um, wonderful callers, and thank you, listeners, once again. We appreciate every single Tuesday at 11 having you here with us. So. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of the past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and engineered by Michelle McAdoo. Our call screener was the famous Java Chapman. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now. Coming up next, right here on MPB Think Radio.